Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Okay, I'll reload it! to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, this week's show, we have Casey coming on, and I am excited to have Casey coming on for our Halloween special episode. That's right. This is our Halloween special episode. It's why it's here on Wednesday and not Tuesday. And I'm really excited about having Casey on today because she has what she called the roof walker. The roof walker would come and walk on their roof at night and stuff. And it was a very paranormal but yet physical thing where doorknobs in the house would be turning like it was stalking them, terrorizing them. And her and I both believe that this was some kind of dog man entity that was terrorizing the family inside the home and outside the home. They're not the only ones that witnessed it. Police were there and saw it as well. Let's get into it right now. Okay, today I have an awesome guest coming on. I have Casey. And Casey, you just recently signed up to be a patron and you messaged 
the confessionals podcast at gmail.com. And you had some stories to share. And I'll tell you, I, I'm very excited about talking with you tonight. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So this this is a this is gonna be a fun interview. Uh, you have basically you've been dealing with paranormal things every day, like your entire life. It's just been a constant thing. And so uh, I, I know there's there's millions of stories you could share, but I'm so excited about talking about some of these stories you put in this email because uh, this this is just fascinating to me, and uh, I, I I'm just excited to see where things go. So uh, why don't we just start off? When you were six years old and you moved into that house in Texas, what happened? Okay, um, so there's just my sister and I, and she's almost eight years older than me. So there's you know kind of a, a age difference between us. But this particular time, I was six, and um, we moved into this house. It was just a temporary thing because the house my parents wanted um, wasn't going to be available for a few months. And it was late when the last box was brought in. So my mom told my sister and I to go ahead and, and jump in the shower and get ready while for bed while she got something for us to eat. And so we're taking a shower and we hear this weird noise. Now, the bathroom, is it wasn't a small bathroom, but it wasn't large either. And it had a window above the shower. And so it wasn't, you know, touching the ceiling, but it wasn't very far down from the ceiling either. And because it was warm, um, because where I'm from, it's at the tip of Texas. And so our Santa Claus is bilingual, anywhere short, to give you an indication, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And so... You know, it's hot and very humid and sticky. And this was in the 70s. So this house didn't have central air. And all the windows in the house had been left open so that it would cool down before we went to bed that night. And, of course, the bathroom, you know, the window was open. And like I said, it it was above the shower. So that, you know, window was open and there was a screen. And we could hear something raking down the screen and we both happened to look up and all I seen was this gray hand and I'm thinking to myself that one of the gorillas from the zoo has gotten out because we had been to the zoo like only a weekend or two before this night And the hand looked just like the gorillas in the zoo. It was gray. The fingers were long. It was just, I mean, I can still see it now. It it was, it's just never left me. And my sister screaming is what brought me, you know, it's like everything starts clicking as soon as she starts screaming. And I start screaming. Well, my, um, Mom came rushing in, and um, my dad had went outside, and they never did find any footprints at all. And like I said, this window was really high up, and there were no trees or nothing. So I've always 
you know, my sister doesn't like to talk about what we've dealt with. This is the only thing that she will discuss with me. Everything else, she just chooses it be out of sight, out of mind, mental play. And, you know, it. she too can remember the ham just like it happened like 20 minutes ago, you know, and it, it, it was crazy. You know, there was no footprints, nothing. And I've always tried to figure out how they could reach that window. And all it would do was just scrape down the screen. It was just bizarre, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you said the windows were high up. Do you know how high they were? Um, I would say it was probably about, you know, you got an average size shower tub combo. So they're like, what, five, six feet, you know? So it wasn't, I'd say give it another foot at least, probably around six, seven feet up. Okay. So, but you're not saying that like you weren't on like the second floor of the house or something. No, no. This floor, this house was all one level. So it was, you know. Um, there was no upstairs, downstairs. It was a main level. So whatever it was, either, and, you know, we didn't hear anything on the roof. Um, so it had to be outside. That's the, you know, but it's weird that my dad never did find footprints out by that window. It, it's really bizarre. I, I just don't understand how whatever it was, was able to reach that window because it was close to the ceiling, but it wasn't touching the ceiling, you know? And so, I, it, it, but it was high up. What, I was, mean, it, what was the ground like around the window outside? Was it like grass or was it dirt? What, what was it like? Do you remember? It was a combination. Um, they were still there were patches of grass mixed, uh, missing because they were still putting grass in. The guy had reseeded the whole front yard and backyard, and it would have been in the backyard. Okay. And so, you know, there were areas of grass, but there was also, you know, um, just regular dirt, too. Patches and um, my sister and I didn't get much sleep that night because we both <laughs> I'm sure kept thinking about it, you know, it was just, and we were both hesitant. I mean, I remember my mom had to be in there with us for quite a while in order for us to take a shower or a bath because, and we wouldn't even look at the window. We avoided it at all costs and we couldn't wait to get out of that house. I, I do remember that. You know, because it was just bizarre. Yeah. You know. Now, but yeah, you, you might have mentioned this earlier, but I, I probably missed it. Uh, how old were you at this time? I was six. Okay, so you're six years old, uh, and you're mm-hmm. you're remembering this now as an adult. Uh, so when you think back at the situation, you see the hand uh, compared to the window. Do you have any ability to estimate how big you think that hand was? Are we talking like twelve inches? five inches, whatever, you know? It's definitely bigger than, well, to give you an example, my husband has very large hands 
and he wears he wears like a size seventeen and a half wedding band, so like a football player's wow. pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know it. You know, people have when he crushed his hand. Um, one of the doctors, you know, was like, oh my God, it's like the size of a polar bear paw. And, um, I would say this hand was a little bit bigger than his, not much, but a little bit bigger, you know, and it's raking down that screen. And because the first time the, the first time it did it, you know, I think my sister and I, we're trying, it was, we're, it's trying to register in our brains what's happening because it's the second time that it goes down that my sister starts screaming. And so, and, you know, one of the things with, that my sister has always repeated it because, you know, she was like 14 at the time. And, you know, it was wrinkly. It was, I mean, it was gray. It was this funky gray, almost like a, almost like a death look gray, you know, like a gorilla's hand is what it, the color of it was. And the fingers were long and it would just scrape down the screen. It was, it was crazy. So, I mean, last question on this, I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, maybe I shouldn't assume, I don't know. Do you think it was Bigfoot? I've often wondered that because I, we had a great uncle that did see one. And in this area, there's a lot of orchards. There's a lot of woods. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I would say that the probability of it being Bigfoot, because this is a neighborhood area. Um, the houses were pretty close together. They weren't out in the country with this one. Um, I would say I would be 60%, you know, on a scale um, of thinking it's Bigfoot. I don't know. It's just bizarre. It's very strange. And I don't know how to, it, it was so gray, but it, I kept, you know, like I said, when I first seen it, I thought of the gorillas that we had seen at the zoo, because that's what it reminded me of was their hand. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else it could be other than a gorilla, a person pranking you or a Bigfoot, you know? So, uh, right. you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you, you saw what you saw. Uh, you have yeah. no definite answer as to what it is, but you know what you saw and what you described to me, and the, especially the size. It's I'm thinking a squatch. So, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't surprise me, be, you know. Um, like several years later, um, my cousin and I and um, some neighbor friends um, at my grandparents' place, we were out behind my grandfather's barn in this wooded area and we came across this thing that looked so cool because it was made out of grass but it kind of looked like an igloo there was like an opening 
And of course, as kids, we're like, oh, wow, cool, you know, and we go in there and all six of us could stand up in this thing and still have plenty of room. It was literally like, you know, almost like an igloo-like thing. So, you know, I, the probability of, you know, Bigfoot being in that area, yeah, you know, um, I would definitely say so, but you know, the only thing that's messing me up with this house and the hand is because there was a lot of, you know, it was a residential neighborhood, you know? So yeah, I don't absolutely. know. So yeah, I know we said before we started recording that we were going to run through things in a little bit of an order, but I think this would be a great time to have you talk about as an adult, you moving into the house and something was hopping up on your roof. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. This is like, yeah, this leads into the worst experience ever um, of all this stuff. I had moved back home and um, I had my oldest daughter. She wasn't quite a year old when I moved back home and I was expecting my second child. And I had decided to, you know, I'm going to be a single mom. So I'm going to start, you know, I've got to get a degree in something. And because I had put off college because I didn't know what I wanted. And I had started that in a few weeks into starting it. Um, I had a routine where the oldest would be in bed and then I would do my homework and study for tests and things. So one night I am doing that. And all of a sudden, there was this massive, loud boom straight above me. It was like I thought somebody dropped a huge boulder or it, it, it was just massive. And my mom comes running out. My oldest daughter wakes up crying. And my mom's like, what was it? Did you hear it? You know, she had to get my daughter out of the crib. For me because I was shaking so bad because it literally was right above me and it was like it was going to come right through the roof. Well, whatever that was, it walked the length of the roof because my mom had a double wide trailer house and it walked the length of that roof all night long. And there were areas where in the roof it would sound like it was going to come through, like it was bending from the weight of it. And it, it was just nuts. And you could hear like claws scraping on the roof, you know, on the metal every so often. So we listened to it all night long. Well, the next morning, my mom was trying to figure out what it could be. And we have had, you know, it's nothing for there to be like mountain lions and stuff because of the orchards and everything. My mom was thinking that's what was going on, that it was a mountain lion. But I'm a cat person and a cat, you're not going to, they don't just walk and their nails click every so often on the ground like a dog does, you know, and that whatever this was, it was doing that. So the next night, come back from classes because I was taking school at night and I would get home at 10 o'clock at night. And 
um, was studying and right on cue, here comes this loud boom and it hit. And my mom jumps up. She, same thing as before, she goes and gets my eldest out of the crib. I ended up calling the police because we continued to keep hearing this. And it was like, you know, if this is a cat, I've got my daughter. It's not safe. So we called the police out. And when they came out, they didn't find anything. There were no footprints. They couldn't find anything on the roof. But my mom figured whatever it was, it had to be gone, you know. The next night when I came home, um, of course, my mom had started meeting me at the door just in case it was one of the wild cats. And the next night, right on cue, it lands on the roof. So I called the police because they said if we had heard it again, to give them a call. So I call them up. This time they send an extra patrol car out and they decided they would sit there all night long. So that way, if it was one of the big cats, they could call, you know, whoever they need to, to get it. Well, they never found anything. So it was just kind of bizarre, you know, the following night. It happened again. This time, when we call the police, they send the canine unit out. This is the night that I will. I ended up losing some faith in our local PD. Um, we were there, and we call them out. Canine unit drives up, and he gets out of the vehicle and he goes and gets the dog out and you can hear the loud boom, whatever it is, is landed. So he goes with the dog running toward, cause we were on the backside of this trailer and he goes running up, to, you know, to the front by the right side. Once he reaches the front, we hear the dog yelp out and we hear the officer yelp out. They come back around, and the officer is carrying his German shepherd, who is whimpering and whining and shaking. The police officer looks at my mom and I and says, you need to call a priest. We can't help you, and don't ever call us again. And he gets in his vehicle as fast as he can, and they take off. And, of course, my mom and I, you know, He's telling us to call a priest. They can't help us. What did he just see? You know, so we go running back in the house. And of course, now we feel like sitting ducks because now even the cops won't help us, you know, and we're out there and we don't have any neighbors. So we're on our own. And it was like, it was mad that we had done that because it really amped the walking. It was just, it was really profound as it walked. And so we had to listen to it all night long. Well, it continued. And it would happen every single night. 
between 1030 and 11 o'clock at night, right on cue. And as crazy as it sounds, we got to the point that we were, we kind of got used to listening to it, that it didn't keep us up all night like it used to. Wow. You know? Yeah. It, it, it was, you know, and of course my mom, my mom is kind of an odd duck and she's very about image and stuff like that. So she wouldn't let me call a priest because I had lots of friends that were Catholic and I'm thinking of my kid, you know, and I have another one on the way. So I don't want, you know, and I know what I've had to deal with all my life. I don't want my kids to go through this, you know, but she won't let me call the police or the priest because she's, she's worried about if it gets out around town and what if others going to think and blah, blah, blah. And so we would have to listen to this every single night. And my oldest had a lot of allergies, like a lot of food allergies and stuff. And so sometimes we would have to take her to the emergency room and, you know, she could get the sniffles and she might have to have breathing treatments and it was just a mess and you never knew you know, when it was going to happen. And I'll never forget one night, this had been going on for quite a while. And we had, we were, we had came back in after taking her to the emergency room. And we had been there for like four or five hours. So we're tired and everything else. We come in and the back door was the kind that you kind of had to raise it a little to make sure when you shut it to make sure that it did catch the latch on the side of the door frame. And so I locked it and I turned the lock, you know, I guess to make sure that it was indeed locked. And when I let go of the doorknob, um, sorry. Um, this thing or whatever it was, I watched the doorknob turn from the other side. Like somebody was copycatting what I had just done with the doorknob. Wow. And I freeze because I'm thinking whatever it is, it had to be right on us, you know, and that kind of really bothered me. And, um, you know, we just tried to, if she got sick, we just tried to hold off if we could from going to the emergency room at nighttime. But anyway, it, it just continued. And finally, um, I was getting down to the wire with my classes and was going to be graduating in a couple of months. And my mom had taken um, an overnight shift because she had been the one to. Um, that was watching my daughters, but, um, now that, you know, my, I was coming into the home stretch, I didn't have a full load of classes or anything. So I wasn't going to, you know, I had, a, I was only going to classes like three days a week. And by this time I had had my second daughter. And so she was only a few months old and this was in like March. and. 
my mom was at work and my middle one or my second one, she had had the sniffles and stuff. So she hadn't been sleeping that well. She had been cranky. Well, she had fell asleep in her bassinet in the living room. And the oldest one was sleeping in her bed in the bedroom. And I was studying and I decided that I was going to go lay down for a little bit. Um, but I wasn't going to move my middle, my second daughter into the back bedroom because she was sleeping and I didn't want to wake her up. I just figured when she wakes up for her next bottle, then I'll move her in there. But I went and laid down and I start hearing, I don't remember how much time has passed, but I start hearing, um, you know, those spin tops that you get as a kid. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, you know, those, um, they're like those, it's like a kazoo, but it's longer and it does, you pull the little thing out and it does that long whistle like yep. thing. Okay. So I can hear what sounds like the spinning top and that, you know, other toy that makes that long whistle like thing that you can manipulate if it's long or short. And I hear my second child in the bathroom I can hear her giggling like somebody's playing with her and it's like am I dreaming this or is this really you know and I sit up and I realize no I'm not dreaming this it sounds like because she would laugh and it would be just like you know when a baby does that deep down belly laugh they just really you know I can hear her doing that and I can hear this spinning top and this other thing just going like crazy. So I get up, my oldest one's still sleeping and I decide, okay, I'm going to go fix her bottle, bring her back to the bedroom and, you know, hopefully it'll go away. So I go and my bedroom door was right by the back door. And as I start to walk out into the hallway, I get right in front of the back door. And it sounds like a puppy right outside the door. And it's sniffing along the bottom of the door. And it's doing that puppy whining thing. And because we're out in the country, a lot of people will drop off dogs and puppies that they don't want. And I'm thinking, oh, great, somebody's dropped off their puppy. And I can hear it, you know, snipping along the bottom, and it's making this puppy noise. Um, sorry, can I have a second? Um, yeah, take your time. Take your time. Anyway, um, I can hear this sound, and... It's just getting more fast. You know, it's just really going kind of crazy. And um, it's still whining and everything. So I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, um, that wouldn't be so bad. The girls and I, you know, have a dog. and Because I was going to be moving back up north. And I thought, you know, it'd be good for us to have a dog and stuff. 
So I go to reach for the doorknob, and as plain as day, I hear this female like she's right next to me say, don't do that. You don't want to see what's on the other side of that door. And in an instant, it's like somebody threw a bucket of ice on me. I was just frozen. And in the meantime, my daughter is still laughing. And I can still hear the top and that whistle thing going on. And that puppy is now, it's like it's getting more aggressive. And it's really snipping back and forth along the bottom of that door. And I'm trying to tell my legs to to move, you know. And um, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get her, get the bottle, get us both back in the bedroom, lock the door. And then, you know, it's just whatever. So I go to get her. I get her out. And the bottles are right next to the sink. And there's a window above the sink. And it's only a few inches above the sink. And you can see out the window. But you can't see down to the ground because it's pretty high up. But the bottles are there by the sink and the formula and the baby water. So as I'm putting the bottle together, because it's one of those Playtex bottles, that stinking puppy sound is now at that kitchen window above the sink. And it's just really going back and forth. And I have got the chills so bad. I am shaking. And I'm holding her, and I'm trying to get this bottle made. And to this day, I honestly cannot tell you if I made her bottle weak or too much. I don't know. I just knew that I threw powder in there, and I got the lid on as best as I could because I kept thinking I've got to get back to the bedroom and lock the door. And this this puppy sound is just really. And it's like it's trying to get in. It's like it's clawing at the stinking window. So I go and I start to go down the hallway. And just as I come in front of the back door, um, I hear this sound. And it sounds just like a werewolf out of a movie. Like it has thrown its head back and it is just howling. And I, you know, of all the things I have seen and heard, this one is by far the worst. And if somebody tells me that hell doesn't exist, well, You've never heard this because hell is the only place this thing comes from. And it, it sounds, it, it's just horrifying. And I get into the bedroom and I end up 
I don't remember putting her on the bed or the bottle on the bed. I grabbed my oldest one out of the crib and I shoved the crib up against the bedroom door. And I'm sitting because my bed was up against the wall. So it was kind of like, you know, there was the back wall and the side wall. And all I could think to do was sit there in the corner with both my girls and watch that door just in case. And I prayed and prayed and prayed all night long. If you just get us through this night, I promise you, I will take them out of here and I'll never bring them back again. Just get me through this night. And every so often, it would let that sound off. And I had to listen to it all night long. And ironically, after that night, the roof walker didn't appear no more. I don't know if it's coincidence or if they were related. I don't know. But I never heard the roof walker again. But that sound, it just kept going off, just like you would see in a movie when somebody changes into a werewolf and they let that sound out. And it was, ugh, it was insane. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Casey, it's absolutely fine. Uh, This is something that obviously has stuck with you and isn't going anywhere anytime soon for your uh, mental uh, capacity to handle. And so I I sympathize with you greatly because uh, it's clearly affected you in a major way. Uh, Throughout this whole experience that you've, that you had, how do I even, I guess I'll just ask you, what are your thoughts on the idea of this dog man that people say they see? Is this something that you've given thought to as far as what you've, what you heard and experienced at the house? Well, you know, I didn't even know what to call it. My, she's, she's now my middle daughter because I had another daughter after her, but, um, she's now 27 and she was, you know, only a few months old when this happened. And I can still remember it like it just happened. You know, I can still hear that sound, the stupid puppy, the female telling me not to open the door, all of it. And I didn't know what to call it for the longest time. And in fact, you know, I'm somebody that, you know, I will talk about the majority of my experiences um, the, there's three of them that I don't talk about, except for only a very small handful of people literally know about it. But for the most part, I just, you know, don't talk about it. Um, but I'll talk about any other thing. And I didn't know what to call this thing, you know, and it wasn't until I came across Sasquatch Chronicles in your show. And I've heard other people and I'm sitting here going, oh, my God. I think that's what it was. I really do. You know, I don't know because I never seen it. You know, I just heard it. And I don't know if that's what was on our roof. If that's because we we ended up calling nicknaming it the roof walker. You know, it was like you would look at the clock and it'd be like. Excuse me, ten twenty seven, 
and you would say, oh, yeah, the roof locker will be making its appearance. And because it would be every night right on cue, between 10, 30, and 11, every single night. And it would walk the whole length of that roof. Now, I did get a hold of um, Ken Gerhardt. You know, he's a cryptozoologist for yeah, cryptid. absolutely. I, I did message him on Facebook. And he, um, thank God, answered me back. And, you know, I asked him, I said, what do you think could have been? I didn't tell him about the, you know, what we, that thing. Um, but I told him about the roof walker. And he had done some research. And at that time, where my hometown is, there had been several sightings of the Mothman at that time. And it would, you know, it, there had been several sightings of the Mothman at various times throughout where I'm from. And so he thought that maybe it was possibly the Mothman. But, you know, you get older and everything else. And I think about the cop's reaction, the dog's reaction, and, you know, listening to other people's accounts that have seen this thing. And the police officer telling us we need to get a hold of a priest that they can't help us. I have to wonder if it wasn't the dog man. I don't know. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if they're known to get on roofs and do that. I don't know. Sure. Uh, they, they, they're taunting. They're very, very taunting. And mm. a lot of people uh, talk about, you know, being chased by them, but clearly this thing could have caught them if it wanted to, but it doesn't. And it's, it's, a, right. it's a very taunting thing. But when people come across it, they describe that it's just, it, it, it has this um, very evil energy to it that's projecting towards other people. Uh, it, it definitely sounds to me at least, and, and, you know, just take it for what it is. Uh, but to me, until I find another cryptid that fits a description, uh, I, I really think this might have been a dogman situation. And it fits in a lot of categories because, well, for me, at least it does. Because I believe that dogman is not just a physical creature that people are seeing, but I think it is a uh, supernatural entity. I don't think that... It, I, I, yeah. I, I struggle to say it's demonic uh, because demonic is on a, on a whole different category. But right. uh, I've talked about it on the show several times, and I am like 99.9% uh, in this direction of leaning on things uh, because I know about the Nephilim in the Bible, and right. I know that the fallen angels came, had sex with women, their offspring were Nephilim, which were giants, and right. the book of Enoch, the first book of Enoch, talks about the fallen angels not only doing that with women, but also animals and plants. Well, if they are doing that with animals and they're creating this hybrid offspring, the hybrid offspring would probably have some characteristics of their fathers, the angels. The angels are supernatural creatures. They could do supernatural things. And that's why I think that when people say they saw Bigfoot vanish in front of them, or they found tracks leading to nowhere, they just vanish. I don't think they're crazy. And when you're right. dealing with what you dealt with, it sounds a lot like you were dealing with 
just to say on a very vanilla term, a demonic experience where it's like it was evil. This was not something that uh, you didn't oh, yeah. ha- like. You did definitely. I know you know this. Like you didn't have a little cute puppy outside whimpering to come in, uh, and the fact that it turned the doorknob on you. At the fact that you heard it walking on the roof, you know, you know, it was a very physical thing, but at the same time, there were supernatural aspects to what you experienced when you were in the house and you heard the dog outside, but you also heard that flute and the top playing with your baby. Was that, was that situation a situation where, uh, you feel that whatever was doing that in in the baby's room was also correlated to what was outside the, the house? Almost definitely. I think that it was, um, it was playing, whatever it was, was playing with her um, as like a distraction. You know, I, I think it was to, distract me or to prove a point that I can do this and there's nothing you can do about it because you can't see me. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't see whatever it was that was playing with her, you know, and, uh, you know, the things that I've had to deal with all my life, you know, we've, we've smelt unusual smells, you know, or familiar smells. You'll, you'll see, you know, glimpses of, a person go walk by, you know, things like this. But this night, you know, all I can hear are those toys and her laughing, but I can't see the toys and I can't see even a shadow leaning over, the, you know, where she's at. I can just hear her laughing and them going off. And I, I think it was part of, you know, because whenever the roof walker was on, the doorknob incident, you know, that wasn't, it, it wouldn't be the first time that that would happen. You know, there was a couple other times that you would know more get, you know, you'd get into the house and you'd shut the door, lock it. And then all of a sudden you'd hear the boom, you know? And of course my mom was like, oh my God, you know, whatever it is, it was right there watching us. Oh my, you know, and you would instantly freeze because it would dawn on you that where was, you know, it could have gotten me from the vehicle to the door, but it didn't, but it would be just to let us know that I'm here, right? you know, and, and instill that fear in you, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think the two were related because I never heard those toys play before. And I never heard them after that either, you know? So I think it was, and the taunting, yeah, it taunted us. There's no doubt about it. It definitely taunted us, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Yeah. You're, when you're describing the fact that when you close the door, the doorknob turns, that's something mm-hmm. that was intentional. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it just missed you. It was intentional to let you know it's here and at any time it wants you, mm-hmm. it will have you. And yeah. and that's a common thing with these things. Like people feel like they're being taunted. Like they get mm-hmm. up, there's people that see these things up close 
and it could get them, but it doesn't. Like something is restraining it. And that's why I always come back to this idea that there's something supernatural about this. And for whatever reason, I don't understand why, but I, I really feel like something is holding these things back at bay, whether it's God or some kind of rule of nature. I, I think that there was that, that there's something holding these things back. And I fear that one day something the something that's holding these things back is no longer gonna be doing Hold so. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And when that happens, yeah. I think our real world life is going to turn into a Hollywood movie. And it's scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, and um, my mom is, she doesn't like to talk about all the things that we've dealt with and stuff like that. But, um, and like I said, I'm one that will. And I've always looked things up and I think it's because I want to, you know, explanations for this or to find some kind of rational reason or whatever, you know? Um, so I've always been, I wouldn't say and it's, I'm obsessed with it, but, you know, I want to know about people's experiences, you know, is it similar to what I've dealt with? Have they seen what I've seen or heard or whatever? You know, and like I said, I didn't know about the dog man until I started, you know, listening to you and Wes. And yeah, you know, I'm grateful, but, you know, I don't allow myself to go back to that night too much because I think about if I had, if I had opened that door, you know, what would have happened? You know, because it literally sounded like a puppy that that was lost and it's whimpering and it's whining, you know, and it sounds like a cute, cuddly little puppy. But the cute, cuddly little puppy turned into something way evil, you know? Yeah. And yeah. You know, I, I'm just grateful. I, I'm glad that you didn't open the door. And I honestly... Mm-hmm. I I honestly believe that if you would have opened that door, it could have gone either way because it was such in a routine of taunting you that if you would have mm-hmm. opened that door, you might have opened your, opened the door to absolutely nothing. And th- right. that would have scared you even more. Right. And so, because it's the fear of what's coming that gets you. Once you, right. once you see something that you're scared, but it, it's not the, the, the fear of not knowing what you're dealing with. And that's where the taunting right. comes involved. It's that build up, that anticipation of the, the build up, you know, and it just, right. yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. You know, it just, and like, you know, it, it, we never had the roof walker come back. Um, never heard the puppy again. Thank God. And, um, you know, once I, I graduated, I didn't even, I took my, you know, my last test and I didn't even stick around for the graduation ceremony. I was out of there, you know, because I decided that, I mean, I have paranormal stuff that happens to me up here in the North, but it's nothing like when I'm back home, you know? Um, Right. You know, there it is just constant and it's really, it's just a lot of stuff, you know, here. Is a different situation. It's things that, um, 
you know, you can handle. And, um, of course, I feel bad for my husband because he never experienced the paranormal till I came along. Oh, you know? Yeah. And so I always tell him, I know it's true love because he still, you know, he'd never dealt with it till I came along and he still wanted to marry me. So I knew that there was no doubt in my mind. He left me. He's the right right man for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, you know, the first time he had to experience something by himself, the kids and I were shopping. And when we came home, I mean, I can laugh about it now. But, you know, and I felt for him because if you've never, you know, dealt with it and then all of a sudden you hear somebody walking above you in your daughter's bedroom upstairs, but you know you're the only one home. We come home and he's sitting there (laughs) with his gun. And I'm like, "Um, they're already dead. So how are you going to shoot them? You know, (laughs) And and he's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you're not. Well, it just made me feel secure, you know. Right. Exactly. In that, in that <laughs> moment, you're not thinking about uh, how anything's going to work. You're just trying to find the most thing, the thing that makes you feel most secure. Uh, right. And you know, I I think what we're going to do, Casey, if it's okay with you, I want to mm-hmm. save some of these paranormal stories for another time because uh, I'm not even done talking to you about this experience you had at the house. And uh, I know you have tons of stuff to share. And I think um, oh, yeah. I think it'd be great to have you back on for a patron show because we do those live and we we run forever on some of those shows. Uh, it's not uncommon to have a three-hour show. So uh, I think that'd be a, a great opportunity for you to really kind of get into some details with some of these other things. Uh, but circling back to this experience you had with the roof walker, uh, okay. you said that they didn't come, it didn't come back. And do you believe that's the result of the prayer? I do. Um, you know, there's a small part of me that thinks that whatever that, you know, the dog man, you know, um, once it, it was like it needed to get it out of its system and it realized it wasn't going to get anywhere with me per se. And so it just went on to its next. But it was crazy because it was over a year of dealing with it every single night, you know? Yeah. And it, it was just insane. So, yeah, I really do think that the prayer played a major role in it. I but, really do. And let me ask you, and there, there's no right or wrong answer here with this, but right. I just want to ask you because, you know, the kind of show that we have, we have a lot of different people that come on from all different backgrounds of life, faiths, right. and all that stuff. Um very generic question. When you were praying, who were you praying to? God. Okay. I, yeah. I, Definitely um, praying to God. You know, I have people who email me because of the show that I do and they're like, listen, Tony, I don't know how you do it. I'm, I'm praying for you. I, I, I'm just always praying for you to make sure that God protects you or they won't say God. <laughs> right. They'll just say, they'll just say, I'm praying for you. And, uh, or they'll ask right. me, is it okay if I pray for you? And I'll say, yeah, as long as you're praying to Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm good with you praying for me. Just don't pray, pray for me to <laughs> Satan or something like that, you know, <laughs> cause I don't, right? I don't, exactly. I don't need uh, yeah. any of that. So <laughs> yeah. No, I was, you know, we were in, we were raised in church and we raised our girls in church. Um, you know, it, 
I don't because I'm disabled now. I don't get to go to church like I used to. Um, but, you know, I've gotten to, you know, where I know God knows the situation and he gets it. And I feel like I don't have to be in that pew every Sunday to prove that I'm a Christian because God knows what's in my heart. And that's all that matters. He's the only person I have to impress. Well, you know, but yeah, yeah. What you just said, you literally just quoted scripture because Acts 15, eight says, God who knows the heart showed that Mm -hmm. he accepted them by giving the Holy spirit to them just as he did to us. So that very first part of that verse, God knows the heart. God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. And so you don't have to worry about justifying yourself to me or any other person because you got a direct line to God and God knows your heart. So uh, take that for some encouragement with through all the things that you went through. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it's rough. Uh, before we get out of here, I, I want to, first of all, to say thank you very much for sharing this because I could tell that it deeply affected you. And uh, you never know when you're going to be talking to somebody, you know, how they're going to approach their own story. You hear me on the show. There's times that we have uh, shows where people are sharing their experiences and we're chuckling through the whole thing because it's in the past. They've gotten over it and they've moved on. But then you have sometimes people sharing stories like you did where it's something that happened so long ago, but clearly it's something you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. It deeply affected you. And mm-hmm. I want to I encourage you that the fact that it deeply affected you and to this day is affecting you like that, you can take that as a positive because the fact that it's deeply affecting you and you're still remembering it like this to this day is something you can always look back on in your mind as a uh, faith builder for yourself for the fact that when you did pray about it, it went away, it was gone. And there's times in your life where you can look back and say, that situation that happened to me, I know God was there because of this, that, or the other. You know, like for instance, I shared on the show, oh, I don't remember when it was, it was actually when we did the round table and I shared the whole story about how me and dark waters got connected. It was a completely obscure thing. Our phones glitched and our phones wound up calling each other. We didn't have each other's phone numbers. They actually called each other and they were calling each other several times until him and I actually connected. That I believe was a God moment because of all the phones in the world to glitch at the same time and connect to each other, me and dark waters got connected and we talked to each other in the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, that was divine intervention. Sure. And, and God, because I'm a, I'm a huge promoter of always listen to your gut. You know, if your gut tells you take a left when you've always taken a right on the road, then you better take the left, you know? And I'm a huge promoter of there's a reason for everything that happens. Sure. You know, and sometimes it's a life lesson. And sometimes it's divine intervention. And that was definitely divine intervention for you and Dark Waters. I, I believe that. Yeah. You know, and, and I actually believe the same thing for you. And that's why you should look back at this. And even though it affects you deeply, you should always remember that in that moment of that terror that you remember so clearly, God was with you. And so from yeah. that point on to the day you pass, 
you can always use that as a moment that no matter how bad things get, you can look back at that and say, God was with me then and he's with me now. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you're exactly right. Because, you know, um, when I did talk to my mom about it, we've only talked about it once. And I remember asking her, why is it that it seems like I've been the one to deal with the most out of, you know, cause there's only five of us grandkids. And I'm like, why is it that it seems like I've been the one to deal with it the most? And my mom's reaction was, well, makes a believer out of you, doesn't it? And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, I don't, and, but yeah, it does. And, you know, with my health, dealing with what I've had, I mean, it took a long time to get a diagnosis. And unfortunately, before I got, once I did get the diagnosis, because it took so long, and it's because of a birth defect, I had to have a feeding tube put in like three months after the diagnosis. And I, you know, you go on your little pity pot and stuff. And I did my pity pot. And you're exactly right. You know, um, one night it was like, okay, he's always been there. Every time you call on him, he's always there, you know, and he's gotten you through it and he's going to keep getting you through it. He has his reasons for why this has taken place and you're going to be fine. It could be worse. You know, I could be preparing my husband and my children to say goodbye and thank God I'm not, you know? And so, yeah, you know, that night just, yeah, it's just been a constant reminder, but it, you know, and I wasn't going to talk about it because I've been trained to not talk about these things um, since I was a kid. But, you know, I thought to myself, no, I am going to share it. Because if those other people had not shared their stories, I wouldn't have even known what this thing was. And I would have thought it was, I would still continue to think it, it was just me that had to deal with this, you know? And so by talking about it, if I can help somebody else realize that, no, you're not the only one who's had to deal with this. You're not crazy, you know, um, right. then it's definitely worth it to me. You Absolutely. Know? And I, I appreciate your courage with that, you know, because uh, it, it takes courage to say, you know what, this is going to benefit other people. And I view it as an obligation to share it and let people know what happened to me. So that because that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point of what, yeah. what I'm doing here. You know, we're, we're yeah. sharing people's stories. And yet, you know, these stories can be entertaining. It keeps people's attention. But it's also right. to raise awareness on what people are experiencing because there's other people out there just like you who aren't sure if they should talk about it or not. But by hearing you share your story, it might give somebody else confidence to come forward and just get it off their chest. And that's what's the most important thing, I think. Whether we solve the mystery of Bigfoot, Dogman, Nephilim, whatever we want to talk about on this show, the fact is, if we're providing comfort for people who have experienced these things, it's all worth it to Mm -hmm. me. You know, I look at it this way. There's a reason why these things exist, okay? And, you know, we don't always get to know why. We don't always get the answer right away. Sometimes it might take a while to get an answer. And sometimes 
we just are not going to get the answer to a question. But there's a reason why they exist, you know, and when you get that many people that don't know each other and they can, everybody can tell the same story, basically, when you break it all down and the same description and everything else, you better believe this stuff is true, you know? And like I said, for anybody who tells you that, you know, hell doesn't exist, it's all fake, it's all blah, blah, blah. Well, have an encounter with this thing. And trust me, when you hear that thing make that noise, that howl or whatever it is, you will believe that hell exists because that's the only place this thing comes from. I totally believe that's the only place that could create something this evil, you know, because it is just, it's hard to describe, but it is the most frightening sound. And I truly feel like I met, you know, I dealt with a beast straight from hell. I, I really do. And so don't tell me that these things don't exist right. because they do. Yeah. You know? And and you know what? I'll tell you what, Casey, that that's, I couldn't describe it any better. You, it sounds like you dealt with a beast from hell, you know? And, yeah. and so with that said, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing about okay. this. And I really, really, really Look forward to having you back on. Uh, maybe, Thank you. Maybe in December we'll bring you back on for the patron show so we can get this thing going because uh, this this was just a real pleasure to hear what you experienced um, and how you came through it and how you're using your story to you know just help other people. That's that is something that just kind of it really makes me feel feel good because even though you went through some bad stuff, uh, you're turning it into a positive, and that's a great thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, that's kind of my motto. You can always find the positive, no matter how negative it is, you know. And I want to say thank you to you. This is a God-given talent that you have. And you doing this podcast, you don't realize what a huge impact you're making on our lives. And so thank you for what you do for us. Well, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, I I believe that everybody's been given certain gifts in life. And uh, I I learned, especially as doing this podcast, I've learned that I, I have a gift of talking with people. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I enjoy it. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. You know, we appreciate everything that you do for us, you and Lindsay both, you know, and um, yeah, just say the word. Like I told you, my time is flexible. So whatever time, you know, I appreciate it. And um, I'm very grateful that, you know, you let me do this. Um, and yeah, you know, anytime, just shoot me a message and let me know. And I will definitely, you know, make sure that I make the time for sure. Sounds good. Well, Casey, you have a good rest of your afternoon and uh, take it easy, okay? You too. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support the show. One, go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Two, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals. That's patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron to help support the show. And three, you can go ahead and share the link to the show that you're listening to right now around social media. That will help expose the show to an audience that didn't know about the show beforehand. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye. I'm a podcaster. I podcast.